0: The scripture for this morning is is Psalm 89. Psalm 89. I'd like for you to turn there and I'll introduce it just a little bit in terms of the way it is set up. Uh, It is 52 verses long, and there is a huge change with verse 38. Verses 1 through 37 talk about the Lord's faithfulness, his loving kindness, his making promises that he will always keep, he's all-powerful, his acting upon his covenant that he will fulfill and not, not go back on. Uh, wonderful things to say about the Lord's faithfulness to us who are in covenant, in, in Christ, in covenant with him. Uh, And that part is divided into four parts. The first two verses introduce his love or loving kindness and faithfulness. Verses 3 and 4 introduce his covenant with David, which is a a major example of his loving kindness and faithfulness. Then 5 through 18 expands the loving kindness and faithfulness. So I mean, it really makes it clear that the Lord is always loving, he is always faithful to his promises. And then 19 through 37 focuses in on his particular promises to David and to his descendants, those who would sit on his throne after him forever. So you have the two introductions, general introduction, and the specific introduction. Verses 3 and 4. Then you have a large section about the character of God and dealing with Him, His dealing with us. And then a section about David. And then there is, but in verse 38. And from 38 through 45, it says, You have not followed through on your promises, you have spurned this covenant. So there's a huge change in the psalm. And then on the basis of that change, the rest of the psalm, down through 51, next to the last verse, is a, is a prayer about how you pray when you're in a situation that you belong to God, you've accepted his promises, and then things go very wrong in your life. And so you say, God, I worship you, I praise you, but look at what's going on in my life. And then how do you pray about that? That's what this psalm is about. Now, the last verse, I think, applies to this psalm, but it also, it's the end of the third book of the five books of the, of the Psalter, of the Psalms. And so it all five sections of the psalm five books of the psalms they all end up with a doxology and so it ends up with blessed be the Lord forever amen and amen so G. Campbell Morgan says that this psalm is to help the faithful man the faithful believer in Christ to be able to face the calamities of that God brings into his life. And that's not a direct quote, but that's generally what, what G. Campbell Morgan said, um, a, a very thoughtful writer on Scripture. I'm planning to read the whole thing, so I'll ask you to stand, but consider the fact that I'm asking you to stand for 52 verses and make your decisions accordingly. So if, if you think it's a good idea, uh, stand, and I'll read uh, the, the scripture for today, Psalm 89, is, is listed at the top as a a mascal of Ethan uh, from the Ezra family, possibly d- descended from Ezra himself, the Ezraite, Ethan the Ezraite. Hear God's word, beginning in verse 1 there. Uh, hear God's word, this is his holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant word. I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations, I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said, loving kindness will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have chosen, I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones, for who in the skies is comparable to the Lord. "'Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord, "'a God greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, "'and awesome above all those who are around him? "'O Lord, God of hosts, who is like you? "'O mighty Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. "'You rule the swelling of the sea. "'When its waves rise, you still them.'" You yourself crushed Rahab like one who is slain. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all it contains... You have founded them, the north and the south. You have created them. Tabor and Hermon shout for joy at your name. You have a strong arm. Your hand is mighty. Your right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. O Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all the day, and by your righteousness they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, and by your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Once you spoke in vision to your godly ones and said, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him with whom my hand will be established. My arm will also strengthen him. The enemy will not deceive him, nor will the son of wickedness afflict him. But I shall crush his adversaries before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him, and in my name his horn will be exalted. I shall also set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He will cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My lovingkindness will keep him forever, and my covenant shall be confirmed to him. So I will establish his descendants forever and his throne as the days of heaven. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod. And their iniquity with stripes. But I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His descendants shall endure forever forever. And his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon. And the witness in the sky is faithful. Selah. But you have cast off and rejected. You have been full of wrath against your anointed. You have spurned the covenant of your servant. You have profaned his cross, his crown in the dust. You have broken down all his walls. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. All who pass along the way plunder him. He has become a reproach to his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You also turned back the edge of his sword and have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have shortened the days of his youth and have covered him with shame. Selah. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Remember what my span of life is. For what vanity you have created all the sons of men. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Selah. Where are your former loving kindnesses, O Lord, which you swore to David in your faithfulness? Remember, O Lord, the reproach of your servant. How I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples. With which your enemies have reproached, O Lord. With which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father... This may not be the most disturbing chapter in the Bible, but it's one of them. We thank you for how the Holy Spirit explains your faithfulness. We thank you for how you have let us know by the power of your Spirit that you know when we struggle. We know how we struggle when we hold on to your faithfulness and when we go through terrible trials in our own lives. Some physical, many spiritual. We desire to pray to you, help us understand our situation enough to be able to use this psalm to become prayer warriors, especially in times when we are distraught over what's going on in our lives as believers in Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen how are we going to remember psalm eighty nine um, so you have ten fingers and and you could, you could count them down it is uh, as though you you go through your life and and you're you're praying that difficulties will be removed that the Lord will answer your prayers you've been praying for some prayers. Praying in some ways for certain prayers for years and years, possibly, or maybe days and days, or months and months. And so you can count them down and you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So as you count down to eight and nine, it's like you're 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 sort of getting to the end of your rope and you, you want to know. When is something going to happen? How is something going to change? So you're, you're you're praying, and one, two, three. I, I'm reminded of a Jack in the Box we had when I was young, and it, it didn't it didn't count to ten. It was based on the the, the octaves, based on the uh, four beats to the measure, and so forth. But it, uh, you know, all around the cobbler's bench, the monkey chased the weasel. Y'all know that the monkey thought was all in fun. Pop goes the weasel. Um, and I understand that has to do with a spinning wheel uh, and you crank it around, you get the yarn and you go around and around and around. And when you got to a skein, and I don't know what a skein is, I've got different definitions of that, but when you got to whatever was supposed to be a skein, then the, the spinning wheel would be set to go pop and that's supposed to be the weasel. So I can imagine praying you know, one year and a second year and a third year and a fourth year and a fifth year and a sixth year and a seventh year, and then you get to the eighth year, you know, Psalm 89, you get to the eighth year, and you get to the ninth year, and so Psalm 89 leads you, and it's, it, and he's still in distress when he's writing this. when he's praying this. and so this is, this is David's descendants, or David's people who are, who are living under his descendants. It is the it is the Psalm of Christ. Of course, all the Psalms are the Psalms of Christ. This, and I don't mean just by I don't mean just that. Well, Jesus was a Jewish boy, and this is all the Bible they had, and that is what they sang. And so, they, so he had. Of course, he sang Psalm eighty nine. I don't mean just that. I mean this was inspired to refer to what happened to Jesus when he's on the cross, when he's going through the process of. Dying and waiting for the answer to come as you pray over and over again and wait for the answer to come g campbell morgan 's actual statement is this this is this is about the how the man of faith is to view the circumstances of calamity if you 're in Christ and you you understand that being in christ doesn 't mean Prosperity gospel doesn't mean just just accept Jesus and everything's going to be fine for the rest of your life and you're probably not even going to die. No, you're going to die unless Jesus comes back first. You may suffer before you die. You may suffer long before you die. The promise in Psalm 23, and Psalm 46, and Psalm 121, the promise is always the same. It's not everything's going to be just hunky-dory. The promise is I will be with you as you go through the valley of the shadow of death. I will be with you all the way through. So y'all know that. So this is this as, we, as we think about knowing the faithful promises of God, knowing he has saved me knowing he died for me, knowing his spirit lives within me, knowing he is shining a path before, his light on the path before me. And the, and the path looks really, really dark, and it is really dark, and there are dangers all around. G. Campbell Morgan says this also, to, he says, to know the faithfulness of God is to know that when he afflicts, now, you can't study Psalm 89 and come away and say, when we have a national disaster or a personal disaster or a church wide disaster or a denominational disaster, and say, Well, I don't know what happened, but it sure wasn't God who did this. <laughs> you can't get that out of Psalm 89. can't say, Well, God didn't bring COVID 19 on us, on, on the world. Well, you know, is He God or not? <laughs> I mean, uh, He brings calamity. But when to know the faithfulness of God, you can learn this from Psalm 89, is to know that when he afflicts, there is the meaning of mercy in it. So we're learning something about the nature of God, the nature of his sovereign love. As you're counting down, one, two, three, four, five, six, can I hold on any longer? Can I keep praying? Will will he... Continue to make me faithful. Lord, make me faithful. Give me a repentant heart. Six, seven, eight, nine. Is he going to to deliver me from this? It's something about true hanging on to the end kind of faith. A faith that he is developing in you. You see, the goal is not for you to have all the money you want. If he wanted to do that, but he could do it anytime he wants to. It's not what he's interested in. He may give you more money than you can spend. Praise the Lord. He may give you not enough to eat, as Andrew Hain experienced. You know, getting down to the place in Honduras so that there was one day when he had no food to eat. Who did that? The devil? Well, the devil certainly is on the attack in Honduras. No question about that. It's a spiritual battle. But the Lord was taking care of Andrew and the Lord was making Andrew into the man of God he wants him to be. Hanging on to the end until pop goes the weasel, until the Lord brings about his faithful, kind, loving answer to prayer. Isaiah 63, we looked at it. He's mighty to save. Some of y'all can sing a song about that. Hebrews 7. He He is... He is able to save. Hebrews 7.25. As Dave has explained, we can draw near to Almighty God with confidence. That was our call to worship. Because He is our great high priest who has passed through all the difficulties, tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. So think about, we've been singing about the dangers on the waves. You know, Ruth's dad was a Navy man. Uh, that eternal father strong to save was a favorite hymn of his the naval academy and afterwards and he if he'd been here he would have he would have been very disturbed we sang it way too fast i think we probably sang it way too slow for most of most of us but he would have said no needs to go slowly well think about paul's shipwreck in acts 27. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. You see how they're counting down? One, two, three, four. You know, it just got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. Neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm. Isn't that a wonderful way to say it? No small storm was assailing us. This is Luke and Paul and the rest of the people on the ship. From then on, all hope of our being saved was seven, eight, nine, was gradually abandoned. That's Acts 27, verse 20. Think about Peter walking on the, on the water. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat. And walked on the water and came toward Jesus, but seeing the wind, and that's a wonderful statement too. Seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. And I think he started counting really fast there. One, two, three, four, five, six. And he cried out, "Lord, save me!" And of course, he didn't grab onto Jesus. Jesus grabbed onto him and saved him. Think about the Jonah lift in Jonah one. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. It was getting bad, and then worse, and then worse, and then worse. Then they, then they these heathen, called on the Lord, the word is Jehovah, and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, to Jehovah, and made vows. Think about Paul as he just went on his missionary journeys. 2 Corinthians eight 1, verse 8 and 10. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. That would be what we would call Asia Minor. That we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. So Paul's counting down. God is faithful. He's made his covenant. I know he never turns his back. He hears my prayers. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Six, seven, eight. I'm despairing even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You see how he's praying? You see how he has his faith? He doesn't see any hope out there except what God has told him about his own character. And he clings to that, not the circumstances. He looks at the circumstances. He said, we despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death within ourselves. Why? Because just as the Lord worked with Andrew, it may well have worked in your life already through some horribly difficult circumstances when you despaired even of life or even of the life of your loved one or whatever it may have been. 2 Corinthians 1 so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. Now don't y'all do like me? If if I'm facing a difficult situation, I try to muster all my resources. I call a friend if I need to. I get things organized. I make a plan and I want to I want to plan the work, and I want to work the plan, and I'll I'll, I'll cut things out of the way, and I'll you know, and if we've got a goal, we I'm gonna shoot for the goal, and I'll, I'll use resources to get there. And if I succeed, praise the Lord. But I haven't learned a whole lot about faith if I've done it that way, and I I do it that way over and over and over again. But if the Lord comes to the place where He goes, slam! He he drops an iron. Door right in front of me and all my resources have just, just evaporated and I don't have anywhere to go and I, I can't call a friend to help except for the Lord. If, so if he wants to develop absolute faith in him when I can find nothing in myself, where is he going to have to put me? He's going to have to put me in a ship that's about to go down. He's going to have to put me in a situation where I have the sentence of death within myself. He does this. He has done it over and over again. And so if you are a Christian and somebody has told you that now that you're a Christian, you're not going to have any troubles, and if any troubles come your way, it must come from the devil, read the Bible and be prepared. Give up on yourself. Give up on your resources. Give up on your pastor and your elders. Give up on your family. Give up on anybody here on earth. Never give up on Jesus. Never give up on the one who said, I made covenant with you, and I will bring you through this, and in my calamity that I'm sending toward you is mercy. And there is the answer coming. It always comes. The Bible's like that. Who wins at the end? It's terrible all the way through. You know Jesus ends with winning. Permanent promises. Verses 1 and 2. Those of you who remember singing Scripture songs, we can sing this. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing... I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness, your faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. That's Psalm 89 at the beginning. Love and loving kindness in verses 1 and 2. Verses 3 and 4 specifically about David. Covenant faithfulness, covenant faithfulness, covenant love, chesed, over and over again. And then an expansion of his general faithfulness to the covenant. And his, an expansion of this, general, this specific faithfulness to David the king. David was a good king. Solomon was sort of a good king. Things went downhill with Jeroboam and Rehoboam splitting up. And it got worse and it worse. And there were, some, there were some Josiahs and Hezekiahs as you went along. But it, it went downhill. And if you'd been counting on a godly man being on the throne of David... You would have been going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's never going to happen. We've gotten to Zedekiah. Everybody's been hauled off. How can anybody come who's going to be descended from David and who's going to be king, much less king forever? It must be impossible. Well, no, it's not impossible. It's not going to be Zedekiah, it's not going to be Hezekiah. It's not going to be any plain old king. It's not going to be Shealtiel, Zerubbabel. It's Jesus. So you count all the way down. And you get to eight and you say, oh, man, we're, the bad guys are knocking at the door. Now they're, they're putting out the eyes of our kings. They're killing, killing his, his children in front of him and then putting out his eyes. That's the way they're treating Davidic kings around here. So that his last vision is the death of his sons. Isn't this horrible? They're going to haul him off. And then they come back and it's all weak. And the Romans are in charge. Eight, nine. Where is the mercy coming in? It's probably never coming. And I would have been, think, I would have been tempted to think that way. I'm not sure I would have had the, 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 the faith of Simeon and Anna and Elizabeth and Zachariah and Mary and Joseph. But that's what we're called on to do there was a king. Psalm 89 is right. He is king forever, and he was treated just the same way on the cross. You hear God's covenant promises. You experience the fulfillment of God's covenant promises, but don't you know God is at work in your sanctification. He's interested in directing your story to make you into the person he wants you to be. He has no goal of making you happy or happy-go-lucky in a worldly sense. The prosperity gospel is the work of the devil. Becoming Christ-like, growing in holiness and faith and repentance, that's the work of God. That's blossoming, giving glory to him. And the Lord specializes in surprises. Surprises. We've seen that in the Psalms. So much of the gospel is counterintuitive. It's not what you expected. It's salvation by grace alone, not by works. The Christian life is not dull. What story of, of, of faithful believers in the Bible can you find that is dull? Can you think of one? Rhoda? Mary? Shadrach? John on Patmos? John the Baptist's head, Stephen, Abraham, Jacob, Sarai becoming Sarah, Esther, the Philippian jailer. Who? Who in the Bible who loved the Lord had a dull life? But in, in the lives that we live here on earth, you have those absolutely faithful, permanent promises, but there's also the present distress. Distress verse 38 it turns everything around many places in scripture you have the but god statements everything's terrible but god and it turns correct right and joyful in this case you're looking at the promises and it says but, but god and it turns everything negative david is clearly in this in this psalm the appointed the anointed the chosen one, and Jesus is the anointed, the appointed, the chosen one. You have been full of wrath against your anointed, verse 38 says. You have spurned the covenant of your servant. We've read through that, and at the end of that, we're supposed to say salah and think about it. So I I see this as a cliffhanger. As I as I pray, and I pray one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Psalm 89, and I keep waiting for the answer. I, I consider that a cliffhanger. There was a man named Thomas Hardy who wrote Victorian novels and had them published in installments, one a month. And he had one called um, A Pair of Blue Eyes, I think was the name of it. A Pair of Blue Eyes. And several chapters ended with a cliffhanger. I mean, one of them, Henry, is. And and Alfred are falling off a cliff, and they just barely get caught. They got in a fairly safe place, and Alfred takes a leap and gets back up on top. But when she does, old Henry slips, and he it says he slowly slid inch by inch, and he finally grabbed a little bit of, now this is Victorian writing, a little bit of uh, an outlying knot of starved, Herbage before the rock appeared in all its 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 bareness and it arrested his further descent so he's hanging there and she says, if I could only help you by running for help, oh would I have died instead and said you could, you can't you know, there's not time I can't I can't hold on but a few more minutes it, it'd take you uh, too long to get help and then. Then she ran away. And and the chapter ends, Knight, his his name is Knight, Henry Knight. Knight felt himself in the presence of a personalized loneliness. And then you have to wait for a magazine called Tinsley's Magazine in 1873 to get it the next month to find out what happens to Henry. Henry. And he did that sort of chapter after chapter. Therefore, we call these things cliffhangers. Let's think about the life of Jesus. Zero hour, Matthew 27. When morning came, zero hour, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death and they took him to Golgotha. Verse 25, it was the third hour, and so you're counting down here, one, two, th- it was the third hour when they crucified him. They hurled insults at him. They said he trusts in God. This is Matthew 27, 39, following 41, 42. If he delights in him, for he said, I am the son of God The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. Now from the sixth hour, so now you're counting down to to six. Six hour, until the ninth hour, darkness fell upon all the land. About the ninth hour, about the ninth hour, Jesus calls out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So now we're down to nine, the ninth hour. We're, We're down to where God's left him. And then in verse 50 of Matthew 27 cried out with a loud voice, again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. He's gone. He's dead. God has abandoned him, and he's dead. Verse 59, Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock and rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. So, so where, where's the answer here? Y'all, y'all know the rest of the story, but it is a horrible place to stop in the story. God rejected him. He, he sent his spirit off. He's dead, and now he's in a tomb, and they went away. Psalm 89, importunate prayer, earnest prayer, eager prayer, planned prayer. Remember what my span of life is. What vanity you have created in all the sons of men. What man can live and not see death. You swore to David in your faithfulness. Remember, O Lord, the reproach of your servants. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. amen. This is what prayer time is for. This is what family devotions are for. So that you're ready for challenges such as this. It's to praise the Lord any and every day in any and every circumstance but it's to prepare you to be able to pray like this. Prayer meeting. Prayer is a habit, a lifestyle, a great need, and a great blessing. How do you prepare as a faithful man, as a faithful woman, as a faithful boy, as a faithful girl, for the Lord to bring calamity into your life? Be a child of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Remember the faithfulness of the Lord. Call upon him to remember his faithfulness to the covenant promises he's made to you. Here, Jesus, your Savior on the cross, at zero hour, his enemies of the cross, of the gospel, enemies of the gospel intensified their planning. Zero, one, two. In the third hour, they crucified him. Two, three, four, five, six. In the sixth hour, the Lord showed his displeasure at all the sin, including your sin, the darkness is a rejection of your sin. It is showing displeasure because your sin is now on the back of Jesus. Your ungrateful, selfish, rebellious, ugly, twisted sins that were put on Jesus, there had to be the darkness that would cover that before the face of Almighty God covering over the man of the cross in the face of the heavenly father one two three four five six it grows dark at six at the seventh hour it was dark at the eighth hour it was dark at the ninth hour it was dark and at the ninth hour you hear the cry my god my god why have you forsaken me The hours didn't stop. There was Friday night all night long. There was Saturday morning and Saturday noon and Saturday afternoon and Saturday twilight between the evenings and Saturday night all night long. One Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 nine. Is there ever going to be an answer? Is he just dead, dead? Is this the end? Is God unfaithful to His covenant? Is He unfaithful to this, this King of Kings? The son of David who's supposed to be on the throne forever? Is it over? How does the Lord answer prayers? Nine, 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 nine. First verse of Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn on the first day of the week, and the angel says, do not be afraid. He is not here for he has risen. It was coming all along. You may give up along the way, but it is coming. The answer is there. He is always faithful. So I say to you from Psalm 89, he will never leave nor forsake you. He will keep his promise. He will keep his promise. So keep on keeping on. Hold on to your faith. He brings calamity, and he brings you as a prized possession, getting rid of that dross all over you brings you as a prized possession through that calamity. This is how the man of faith is to view the circumstances of calamity. To know the faithfulness of God is to know that when he brings affliction, there is meaning of mercy in it. It may be Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming.